drink wine. (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't get hungry. Like I have a late lunch and then I don't get hungry anymore. So, Mm. well, sometimes I do. And then I have earlier and then I eat something again. But yeah, I can definitely understand the whole eating earlier and then being hungry before bed again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have eaten, luckily. <laughs> I had yeah. to. I always, when I have, uh, usually at this time of the day, there is a podcast or the call, so I have to really hurry up before starting. Um, yeah, but today, actually, the the topic of today, Luca, was inspiration from your uh, suggestion in the in the live chat with the with the girls on the on Sunday. Uh, so I thought it's a very good. Um, opportunity to share some experiences on on that um maybe also see what are the differences between serbia germany uh desiree you might have other experiences in america i don't know um yeah one two topics were like how to negotiate your salary and also how to spot when you're being exploited so Mm. if you want we can do a little bit of a like round uh tour with sharing some experience um i can start so maybe it will be yeah. an inspiration for you then we can do a round uh, of um <clears throat> of like the same sort of story so yeah. i can share like i've worked so far I mean, it's very public on my LinkedIn. You can just go through and see where which company I work at. Uh, but it, they're uh, in total four companies. And uh, the first company I joined as a working student. It's something that in Germany you have while you're a student. You can join a company for up 20 hours a week. And they will pay way less taxes on you. And you can basically <laughs> work part-time and help them. Um, so when I started, um, yeah, I, I didn't have any, like, you know, expectations on the salary because I didn't know the language here and I hadn't worked anywhere. Uh, so they gave me 11 euros the hour, which was three euros above the minimum wage, uh, what was permitted. And for me, that was already amazing. Um, but I think... Uh, like there were my first interviews and before getting my first job, I had some interview at a bigger company where I did the interview in English and totally in English. And the guy was extremely unfriendly to me and he told me that you need to speak German. And um, if you don't come less, because you can go up to 20 hours a week, but he said, if you don't come 20 hours a week, anything less, we can just let you make coffee and things like that. So I was young and wanted a job. So I, most of the interviews, I went with the idea that I have to get the job without, you know, <laughs> having too many expectations. And um, anyways, I started at this first job, 11 euros for me was fine, perfect. So I worked uh, a year there. And um, after tracking my records at work, so I think one very important thing in order to negotiate your salary is to track your record personally. So, for example, I would check, I was working on competitions, so I would check if we deliver on time, 
if the boss was happy with the quality, how often I would stay extra hours and helping the team, um, how many things we have won, so on. And um, I would keep this like on track, so to say, and I would always deliver extra, deliver on time, uh, deliver good. I improved my German also. So after a year, I went to, to my boss and said, could I speak with you quickly? Because I knew that other students that were working in the office were earning three euros more than me uh, per hour. And I was like, that's fine because I don't speak the language, so I cannot do some, some stuff that they do. But after a year, I was much better and I knew they cannot do some stuff I can do. And so I went, negotiated, said, look. I know it's fine. I started, you gave me the opportunity, but I'm noticing I'm delivering everything on time. Everything's fine. So could you please um, just uh, give me the same as the others? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to think about it. And then he accepted. And um, after that, I worked another year at that office for the same salary. And then they my student years were over, so they were needed to hire me as a part-time or normal employee. So they hired me by saying what <clears throat> what was the uh, what was the wage they offered to everyone who finished university. Again, I didn't have much to complain about, so I accepted it. Did a couple of years like that, and then uh, I was working on this project that was uh, very under. How do you say it? Under we were in a big team. We were in a big enough team to complete that project, so they were a little bit pushing a smaller team to do the work. And I was doing my thesis while working full time. So sometimes they expected us to work on the weekend, and I complain about that because I said, "Look, I have to do my thesis. Otherwise, I would come, no problem. Uh, I would come and do it, but you have to." understand that the time I don't work at the office, I have to work on on my personal thesis because I have to be done. And um, anyways, there was a couple of times. Um, and then came the time where I did start, wanted to negotiate my salary again. It was shortly before I completed my studies. So we went in this meeting with the bosses. A few things in the company were changed. Uh, there were new partners. The old partners sold the company to the new partners. And I was with this boss of mine who I thought we had a very good relationship. So in this meeting, he started saying something like, yeah, your language is not perfect yet. And you cannot work very well under stress. You always complain, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, okay. Then again, I went through my track record and I was like, okay, because two times I told you I cannot work through the whole weekend. Uh, and because I did every day extra hours, you're now complaining. That's not correct. And then they didn't want to give me any raise because they used all the possible excuses. And they, you know, they, when they start playing you down, like, for example, I was also helping new colleagues that were joining the office to understand how the office works. And I was teaching them the softwares and things like that. And they start, you know, they're the, the, the bosses have always this, like 
no matter what how good you are you're never perfect so they can always find a weak spot in your career or in your performance and start pushing you and you have to be aware that they do that and sometimes i know that when i was younger i would have let myself down but sometimes you have to be aware that they're doing this on purpose because they want to you know see if you are full enough to to go for it so i i didn't say anything i accepted their criticism stayed two more longer at the office finished my thesis and after the thesis was done i was free i didn't need to stay at that office anymore because i had a degree in my in my in my bag and i applied for other offices because i wanted to change and when they left um I, they were super mad that I left. They were like, why didn't you come back to us after your thesis, blah, blah, blah. So I was mm. saying, why didn't you come back to me? And they were not happy. And I said, also, I just want to leave because I have only work here and I want to try something else. Um, by doing the first interviews, I did again the classical mistake to be willing to take a job and being afraid to say a higher number. I think that's something very common in architecture that because you're being paid not enough or less, you're always feeling like bad to <clears throat> to say a number that it's, I don't know, higher than what you even imagine. And uh, I went for this job where I said a number that was quite higher than my first job, but still not high enough. Um, because they said, like, yeah, if they say yes <laughs> right away, that's a problem, probably. So, for example, I did recently a job interview, and um, there is always the like, you present yourself, they present themselves. I don't know. Here in Germany, they also want to present themselves as a company. They want to, you know, tell you how cool they are. And there is always the question, right? Like, how much money do you want? So one option is to ask, I, for example, ask back, okay, well, how much money do you have for this position? And um, they will tell you, yeah, we don't have a certain budget, blah, blah, blah. It depends. So they say, tell us a number that will make you happy. So I said a number that will make me happy. That was, I mean, in my opinion, was higher than what they imagined me to tell them. Uh, and they were like, okay, we don't say no, we don't say yes, we'll let you know. <clears throat> well, maybe we'll come back with a counter offer or whatever. Um, so I think it's a very good thing to be aware that you have to always oversell yourself. Like say a ridiculous, so there is also these books I want, this book I wanted to quote, it's called Never Split the Difference. It's by this former FBI guy that uh, was used to negotiate with uh criminals that keep hostages right so he gives you tips how to negotiate with people in general also it may be also negotiating something stupid like treating the cashier at the store uh, <clears throat> and um, it's very good to it's very hard for me like i sound like i'm very aware of it but also for me it's very hard to say a higher number because i'm aware of the industry and i was like Okay, if I don't tell them something that's compliant, then they won't offer me the job. But it's very good to say a ridiculous number. Like, not like, I don't know, three times what is the normal salary. But if you say a higher number and you say like, oh, this is totally unacceptable. 
you can be like, okay, I see it's a lot. Maybe we can do this much less, but you give me three day extra holidays or something like that. So you can always like, if you say a ridiculous number, um, or they react, and also it's very important to to see how people react at your if they already aggressive in your in your first meeting, it's not gonna end up well once you're under contract with them because they will be even more aggressive. So maybe say a ridiculous number, and if they say. Uh, Sometimes people say what they earn right now, which is not, uh, I don't know. I was used to do that too, but also in my opinion, it's not a matter of the, like of the conversation. If they say how much money you earn, you say how much money can you pay for this position if that's too much. So if this is too much, now you know what I want. Tell me what you can pay. So yeah, so these are very important things. And as again, I said for, for me, for explanation at work, sometimes uh being at work at a toxic environment it's like uh, uh, being in a bad relationship right you try to make it work you say it's not them it's me and stuff like that but you have to keep really track on your scores at work and if <clears throat> i don't know, you work in visualization if you always deliver the visualization and there are not many corrections coming back or if you can manage to deliver quickly multiple variations or like if you deliver a good work you have always keep on track and when you go in these meetings to explain okay project xy i delivered on time we had different difficult client but i managed this and that and if they appreciate that then it's a healthy company and they will want to keep you because they want to have a, an efficient <laughs> workforce but if they try to play you down that means they really want to save money so these are my introduction mm, introduction experiences. I would move next to Desiree because she's the only woman today actually in the call. And I was going to let Luca <laughs> go before me actually. <laughs> no, go you and then uh, Luca is third and then we can do a second round. Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, well, so I come from a different industry. Um, I come from the marketing and communications industry and we noticed when we were just talking before this call, Gyoki and I, that our industries are very different <laughs> in that aspect. Um, I think the most important thing is that I've been on many, many, I've had various jobs. I think, ooh, how many, and how many companies have I been at least at five, six, seven. So I've seen quite a few companies. And I think the most important thing is before you go into a salary negotiation, either if it's a new job or it's an existing job, that you ask about the expectations. Because what companies usually do, in my experience, is they take a look at you as a person, what you've earned before, and then they give you a 5 to 10% bump maybe, no matter what but what they budgeted and each company has to budget a position. There's no such thing as, Oh, tell me what you would be happy with. It's like, no, there's a range for a senior architect, for example. And that is from this to this there's like, yeah. So, um, but to really be clear on the expectations of the job and then you can say, okay, the expectations are, for example, 
you're managing clients with the sole responsibility of that. So that is worth more in salary than if you're just behind the scenes, for example, doing something. Or if you're, um, in my experience also, if you're wanting a salary bump, you have to be aware first what the expectation and the job description is that you're doing now to say, okay, I've overperformed because these are what you expect and this is what I'm giving. So I think that's one of the things that I've learned. Um, I've also learned to be more confident in when you go into salary negotiations. So I usually, there's this thing called anchor bias. So if you say a number, Luca, um, I don't know if you're aware that you see, um, if you've heard of it before, but if you say a number, the person gets like hung up on that number and then they go a little up or a little down. Um, and no matter what that number is. So I usually go into negotiations with a rather high number. Um, and then I like add a couple of thousand to that number because then I've never gotten the number I wanted, to be honest. <laughs> I have never gotten, because all the companies that I work for, they've always been like, no, we don't give our, our employees what they want. <laughs> we give them a little under it. And my last salary negotiation was even, we were talking about one, one and a half, like 1,500 euros per year that they went down. It's like, it was ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> I think it's psychological. Like don't give the person what they're asking for. <laughs> um, yeah, but definitely go in with a higher number. And I think also what I've learned is that you have to discover what is the norm in your industry and not only in the industry, but in terms of small offices, big offices, your skill set. And I think that's very difficult sometimes. I can say from my industry, nobody talks about money. It's like not even with your colleagues, nobody talks what they're earning. So my first couple of jobs were like going blind into the job because I had no idea what I was supposed to earn because nobody was talking about what they were earning. And it was really, really difficult. And But I think with, with the years when you get a feeling for that, I think it makes it easier because then you can say, okay, they're probably earning between, I don't know, like in Germany, 50 and 70 K and this, you get a feeling for it a little, but I think, yeah, I think that's important, but I don't know as a, yeah, I, I think confidence has a lot to do with it and do your research as well. That's the things that I've learned from my past, from my past jobs as well and yeah and know the expectations I think that's one of the crucial things especially when you said Georgi in your example they came and they were like you don't speak German you don't speak this and everything is like well if you have like it jotted down somewhere you said oh okay these are the expectations we agreed on or this is the expectation when I started the job that's one of the first things I usually ask it's like okay what are your expectations of me in this position then you have that and that's your basis of um, negotiating and it's not then a, a feeling of you doing a work it's actually a checklist so yeah that's me personally Luca what about you um, well I think um, from my perspective you know I've um, only been at one company for over seven years now so when I started I was uh I think not even 23 years old yet. Um, and then 
Oh no, maybe I was, but that's basically around you know 22, 23 years old, and um, I studied studied architecture, but I I'm working in architectural visualization, and that's something that I was interested in even before deciding on studying architecture, like computer graphics and stuff like that. So when I saw a job opening at the firm in my city, I immediately applied. And then when I had the interview, I had two interviews, I think. Yeah, so the second one was actually when they told me that I got the job. And it was a very small firm. There were, I think, three people working there at the time. And, you know, I was just uh, so happy that I couldn't believe someone would pay me and teach me to do something that I love. And uh, so when they asked me, like, what are your salary expectations? I, I didn't have any starting point or any, like, resource where I could research that and come into the interview with some like reasonable information, you know? So I really couldn't say if it was, you know, 100 euros a month or, or 1,000 euros a month. Those kind of looked the same to me because I had no idea what the range was. And I think that's the the major problem with first-time uh, employees, especially in places where the culture is that they don't talk about money. You can't find any information about it. Or if the the company is very small. Um, I know that there are some resources, for example, uh, Glassdoor, I'm sure you've heard of it. The website where they, you know, the employees themselves list what are their earnings, their positions. And for larger companies, you can probably research and get a feel you know, I mean, but this way it was very, very difficult to negotiate. And like Georgi said, um, you know, whoever says the, the number first is the loser because, <laughs> yeah, they're just playing chicken with you and trying to get you to say the number. Um, but, yeah, since, um, you know, I was... Uh, and I'm still at that company for seven years. Uh, my role has changed a lot, and my salary obviously has grown during the years. But I'm right now at a position where I can really, um, I find it hard to evaluate myself because I'm working on so many different roles that, uh, you know, basically my my job title is... I don't even know what, because I'm doing like basically everything from my job to managing clients, to managing uh, employees, to research and development, um, learning new software, um, scripting and making plugins for our internal needs. Um, yeah, so, and since another thing that I think is... Um, I guess uh, a negative for me is that I haven't switched jobs at all. And I think that's where you actually get more experience with, um, you know, communicating with other people, 
um, I guess, nego negotiating. So every time you go uh, for an interview for a new job, you're practicing your negotiation skills and you're meeting other people, getting different perspectives, and that's how you can get a clearer picture on, you know, especially if you're just staying in the same industry um, and especially if you're staying at the same um country or city so you're getting a clearer picture of uh, what your position is worth and um, yeah uh, but also I know that a lot of um, a lot of employees that I know um, have a fear of hiring younger people because they think it's uh, like um, a staple of the new generation that they don't want to uh, stay at the firm for very long. So, you know, they value loyalty and especially if they are going to invest in teaching you software or whatever, you know, get, getting you the experience you need. They don't want you to leave. Um, so, yeah, I've heard it from a, um, a couple of people where I did have interviews that they are valuing loyalty and, um, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword because if you do try to switch places often, maybe that doesn't look good on your CV and maybe you don't get, you know, valued as highly as someone who's been at the firm for many years. And then, you know, if you decide to switch jobs for whatever reason, they can see like, okay, we can see that you are loyal and that you don't switch jobs easily. So we can, you know, be comfortable with investing with you or in you. So I guess that's that's mainly my takeaway. And one of the big issues or the big, um, you know, questions is the culture uh, of a specific country or city or place. Because before um, starting my job here, I studied uh, in Arkansas for a year, and uh, I had a <clears throat> I had a stipend from the United States government, and one of the I guess one of the requirements was that I do I think it was forty hours of unpaid internship um, in some architecture firm, um, but uh, yeah, I was in Fayetteville, which was a which is a relatively small town but uh, you know there were a lot of good firms architecture firms and uh, I had trouble getting an unpaid internship because they were like we have to pay you because that's just not how we do things you know and I was definitely you know I couldn't accept that because um, that was the terms of the stipend so I finally got to go do my 40 hours of unpaid internship at uh, one place and then they were like you know we we want to keep you do can you like keep going with us and i said you know i could but also i can't get paid and they were like that's unacceptable we'll just um, you know pay you under the table if we have to but <laughs> you know we can't have you working for us for free and um that's so, so that's, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. And the other was, uh, you know, you both t 
touched on it uh, a little bit, is um, people who are, you know, openly discussing their salary salaries within a firm. I think that's always going to be beneficial to the employees. And I think the employer is, you know, whether openly or not, I think they will always benefit from discouraging that because they don't want to have a group of people knowing, you know, and sharing that kind of information. I think that's just from from my perspective. And um, if they are negotiating with everyone separately and they know the culture is like that, that you don't share information, I think that's, yeah, one of the the bigger problems in people feeling comfortable negotiating or knowing their worth or at least knowing how much they can get out of a specific um, company. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think those were my, my main, uh, you know, takeaways from my experience working. It sounds like Serbia is where Germany was like, maybe seven years ago, because when I started um, my career, it was also frowned upon if you switched offices on a regular basis. Um, So if you were anywhere and you switched every two, um, every two years, when I started, well, I started more than seven years ago, but they used to call it agency hopping, which was the worst thing you could be an agency hopper. But now it's completely normal across all industries, even traditional and very conservative industries like banking, that you just switch once in a while. Because, um, and I think German companies have realized that generations are changing as well. And so the culture around, oh, you have been there less than 30 years, that is, that's awful. <laughs> so now it's like completely normal for people to switch offices every two to five years. And I know almost everybody I know, it's like, if you're somewhere five years, it's like, wow, that is a really, really, really long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think one of the things he said was super interesting, like they expect loyalty, but then the question is, how do they reward that loyalty that you stay there? I mean, of course they invest in you with, um, with all the expensive training and teaching you the skills. Yes, but it has to also be, I don't know, um, rewarded with regular salary bumps. I don't know. Do you have regular salary talks? Do you guys have that like once a year or once every two years and you renegotiate your salary or is it just like automatically 5% more or I don't know what. Yeah, I think that's, that's a little bit, um, chaotic in my, um, in my experience because it was, for me, it was usually automatic, you know, but uh, I recently, you know, came to the realization that that was probably not good for me because, um, you know, I, I've never had the, I don't know, I guess I never had the initiative to bring up the conversation myself. And whenever I felt like maybe I deserved more. I did get a raise probably around the same time, but, you know, probably it wasn't um, as much as I hoped for. Mm. So I was kind of, which is totally my fault. I was kind of like, um, you know, I love the job. I love the um, other, you know, perks and benefits. 
and I felt like I was uh, improving my skills, learning, growing, and getting to do all kinds of different stuff. So at, at the time, that was enough for me. But it did kind of, uh, you know, stifle my negotiation skills improving. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think I would rather like something very specific, like some firms have, um, uh, what do you call it, performance reviews. Uh, yeah. They're regular, you know, it's going to be every six months or every year. And like Jorgi said, you know, if you're thinking about your future and about, you know, taking care of yourself, you're going to uh, keep track of everything you do. Basically, you know, come into the performance review or negotiation with uh, uh, cold hard facts. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to I wanted to say something about the for example. Okay, the, okay, you're on mute. You're on mute. I wanted to say something about the loyalty. Um, the loyalty, yeah. Um, I was at a company. <laughs> Let's leave the silence I, I, I'm, for the I'm, loyalty. I'm, I'm not like very loyal employee. Let's say if you see my background, like I was a very loyal employee at the first company. Then I was very briefly at another company. Then I was an okay time at another company. And uh, maybe now I'm going to switch again, but not because yeah, I want to. Yeah, but I think loyalty does not well, have to do with how long you're let there. Me, let, me, let me finish. <laughs> let, let me finish. Um, so, um, yeah, loyalty in terms of how long you're there was one topic when I left the third office I work at. So when you leave, uh, also how you leave, it's very like can vary uh, according to offices. Some people take it very personal. Some people don't take it very personal because it's no, they know it's something normal that this happens all the time. Uh, but this HR, when I was, um, it was a big corporation. So uh, before you go away, they do a, an interview to understand why you left the company, which for me was very hilarious because, I mean, they had such a fluctuation of people that they knew why people were leaving. But um, she told me, yeah, if I look your background, you have been um, changing a lot. So if you change again um, uh, after you, because she knew I was going to a new office. So that in your next office, um, you should stay at least three years because otherwise they will, you know, nobody's going to hire you. And now I'm sending applications with, of course, less than three years and nobody even asked me. Um, there is another big thing that I didn't consider before leaving uh, my work for the first time. You learn a lot by changing, just by changing, just by if you're going to go to another Arquis office, they're going to do things differently. And first of all, you're going to learn to be flexible because by like, for example, at the first office I worked, I worked there for four years. At the end, I knew every single little detail of how the workflow in this office works. And I could explain you everything perfectly. And um, of course, it's something valuable to keep for the employer, but they have to reward it because also you're not anymore just workforce. You are a teaching force. You're giving the experience to others. But by moving offices, you learn so much more because offices work in a different way. And once you switch a couple, you can see what is good and what is not good. 
For example, some offices are too much detail-oriented and they're too panicked or some others are uh, more practical and you know that sometimes it's okay to undergo things in a different way. So this is also a, some, like, I don't say you have to switch every two years and I don't say that your pure motivation for changing your office should be um, money, can be also just, you know, learning. And if you feel very, very valuable at your office, you can tell them what is your long-term perspective. Like, I don't know, you can sit down with your boss and say, look, I'm working here five, six years. I really love the office. I really love the culture. Um, on the long term, do you think you can get on board more partners? You know, like if you want to stay at one office, then you have to understand what is your uh, what is your game, right? What is the end goal of this of this permanence at this office? Um, you said something important, of course, the culture. It's very important. Like if I were to, I said that many times. If I were to stay in Italy and wait for me to work as an architect would have been a shit show so sometimes you have to change your culture if you're not happy with your culture of course that now we're getting very deep like it plays a big role your family status your connection with your family your connection with your country your maybe it's just changing the city can be helpful uh, but also yeah it's important to I mean, you have had already the experience in the States, so, you know, it it's, can be different. And also, you know, by connecting with us, listening to podcast stuff, you hear about different cultures. Um, but it's like, it's so, so important to, if you, if you don't, if you say, I, I don't want to become partner of this company or they not giving me the right perspective. I would change not for the money only, but I would change for, you know, going somewhere and just understanding a different workflow. And also you'll learn to be um, adaptable because I'm sure that you're now embedded in your, into your workflow. And if you needed to start just, I don't know, setting up files in a different way, in the beginning it will be like the first time I, I switch, I was like, ah. And also you have this approach of coming and wanting to impose your own way of work. But in the end of the day, you have to be flexible enough to understand what is the workflow at that place and adopt it. Um, so this is um, this is very important. Uh, but I, while we were chatting, I had a brilliant idea to, um, to I had an idea. I said, like, how we can uh, spice up a little bit of conversation with something more modern so you must see my screen so i went on chat gpt because uh, it's the hot topic uh, and i was saying okay chat gpt can you give me some tips for negotiating your salary chat gpt gave me some tips then i said can you make it more specific for architect and designers so it gave me seven points and we can uh work with uh with I mean, I, we can go through the points and then we discuss them to see if what here our friend ChatGPT has contributed to conversation can be valuable. So, Can I comment one thing before we go into that, Georgi? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things you said is extremely important to highlight that a lot of people think we're going to switch the jobs because it's about money, but negotiation can also be about negotiating um, a, um, a, you know, 
knowledge and skill package, negotiating time off, negotiating, I don't know, a new position or something. And you said something which is always, always my motivation for switching. I want to go somewhere else that is completely different where I can learn something. Because nowadays, um, the capacity to learn, it decreases at the, with the age of, I think, 20 or 21. So the more and the more often you subject yourself to completely new environments, to new routines, workflows, cultures, also fields of expertise, the more fit your brain will be and the longer you will be able to perform work. And I think ChatGPT is the perfect example. Technology has changed business in every field so much. And I think people that just keep, you know, completely redoing how they approach work, like workflows, for example, and how they work and with what tools, those are the people that are going to be competitive until their 70s, because that's how long we will probably be working (laughs) if we're serious. So I think that's one of the most important things. And Luca, you said also that you have a lot of job descriptions in one. I think it's really important to to have that to 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 keep staying competitive on the one hand for yourself but also if i can give you a tip as somebody i have had um, positions created for me that do not exist in the company and my biggest learning has been to put those positions in writing and to create a job description for them and to make them in some way official because if you have like a made-up position or role and you go to the next employer if that ever should happen and they don't know what the hell that is, (laughs) then you have to have some kind of something to explain, oh, okay, what is, for example, my position was director of growth. It's like, what the hell is that? (laughs) And then I knew like with my employer, I had said, okay, this is what it is. And I think that that's also an important aspect to being many people in one to actually, you know, think about the future in that aspect too when you move on. So, yeah. But then, Georgi, back to you. I just wanted to comment on that. No, I think that was good. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, for example, that's. I, I think that's the most valuable thing on discussing this topic is that you sit together. And for example, this is something I wouldn't have come up with to, to yeah, you can tell your bosses, can you write in my contract? I'm project leader, or creative director or some shit like that, you know, so that at the end of the day, you can go to the, your next employer and have your fancy description of your past job and yeah, it's also an op- option. Yes, but um, so I'm gonna go back. Let's to... see what Chat GPT says to negotiating your salary. <laughs> yes, I have to just go in the right. Oh, don't tell me I closed Chat GPT. <laughs> that will be a real disaster. How are we gonna generate it? Oh, again? they keep your chat. Chat. Um, um, no, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't close it. I was just in another tab. I have as usual thousand tabs, so I have to. So, chat GPT is this one. Yes. So, you should see my screen. Yep. Yes, we do. Um, know your market value. Bam. First one. So Nobody talks about it hard. Then, uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's see what is the first thing. Know your market value. Research the market uh, rate for your position and experience level in your specific field and geographic location. Use resources like the American Institute of Architects. Uh, AIA uh, salary calculator on design industry service to help you determine your values so yeah so 
again, you're not working as an architect, for example, but architects generally, um, no matter in which country in the world you are, uh, the title architect is regulated by some institution. So that institution also, for example, here in Germany, you can go and find out tables that tell you with so much years of experience working in these phases of the project, you should be earning more or less so much. Sometimes it's a little lower, sometimes it's a little upper. What is the market value? I guess they do some sort of, you know, median value, average value across, for example, I don't know, because they're responsible, for example, for the whole region uh, here where we live, uh, for the whole Bundesland or whatever you want to call it, state in Germany. Great. And um, and like, uh, I guess if you work in Frankfurt or another bigger city, you'll get a certain amount of money. If you work in a small village, you will be taking a little less. So they do an average and they put you some numbers so that you can... Um, you can you can check it out. I would say another good uh, opportunity would be to try to, for example, if I were an Arquivist artist, I would try to connect with other Arquivist artists through LinkedIn. Just invite them for a digital coffee or something. That's a very a big specialty of Desiree to give you that tip to do the digital coffee <laughs> thing. You can yeah. talk about, you can tell them like, um, you can talk about completely different things. Like it can be, can you tell me how you guys work? Uh, what kind of images? I'm curious, blah, blah, blah. You can, and also you can ask questions like I do often on the podcast. Like I don't ask how much money do you make? I ask like, what kind of lifestyle can you, can you afford with your salary or something like that? If you want to, you know, at least think about it, like, mm, how many times you can pay your rent per month, something like that. So that people like, or if it's, if you, if you, you can wait for this question before and just do a little bit more of that working and ask that, I don't know, this is my opinion on point number one. Do you want guys to add something else? No, no, I think. Luca, how about you? You want to add something to point one or? No, I mean, it's basically it's really dependent on your location. Yeah. And the United States has a lot of information on everything, probably. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure about European countries, but, you know, especially for for me specifically, it's a, a lot smaller industry than architecture. So the information is really limited. So this is, you know... Maybe you just need to research a little bit, um, you know, more, but. Yeah, mm. I think also when you don't. So I remember at the beginning of my career, nobody talked about it. There wasn't any information online. It was just difficult. The whole Glassdoor and LinkedIn weren't doing those things yet. And the way I did it at some point was I figured out what I need to live comfortably and what I aim to put aside savings. And that's sort of how I oriented myself. It's not ideal, but if you have like no information for some reason or nothing comparable to your industry, and especially if you're in a very small company, that's also a very specific case. Um, then I think you just have to find yourself your own context. And then your context is what do you need to live to go on vacation, to pay your bills to provide for your family, I don't know, to create savings. Yeah, and then that can be 
until you know more, until you have more experience in the industry, that can be sort of like your your market value then. Um, yeah, I agree. So um, I will move to point number two, okay? Yep. So the point number two is highlight your unique qualification. Prepare a list of your unique qualifications, such as advanced degrees, specific skills, and relevant work experience that set you apart from other candidates. So it's very difficult that you're going to be doing something unique. What I would suggest instead, it's like if you, for example, showing your portfolio, explain how you solved, what problems did you, what problems occurred while doing that specific work and how you solve them um, like in architecture it's really easy even if you're in argvis like you have a portfolio out of images so i don't know you how you did the lighting how you did the photoshop if you like what is your strength what is your weakness I would always say also about weaknesses because it's like when you sell something, if they only tell you how amazing it is, it it's like sounds scammy. So it's always good to be honest and be like, it can be put in a positive way. Like, I don't know, I'm not so good with matte painting. So um, I really want to work on that and improve because I know I can do better. You know, like you, you, you show them that you're aware of some weaknesses, but you're humble enough to... You know, and you're proactive. You're not like hiding away. So I, I would say here. In yeah. Sweden, yeah. Can Can I comment on that? I don't completely agree with that because if we're talking about negotiation, you don't want to give anybody ammunition. I do agree that you should be that you have to be somehow real and I'm going to call it transparent in quotes. But I think it's how you frame it. You can. I wouldn't say I'm not so good at that. I would improve. I would say I'm aware that I that this is an improvement area. This is why I've done this and this, and I've already improved this and this much. I think you have to really frame it in the right context. It depends who's sitting across from you. But um, if it's about negotiation for salary, then I would do it that if it's about compared to saying I have a weakness here. You're, you want more money. So... Yeah, or maybe you they're not going to pay you for your weaknesses. <laughs> but <laughs> they're going to pay you for improving on those. Yeah, but it, you know, you're not like um, you don't so show the weaknesses. You you're honest because also you explain what you can and what you can do. And if, for example, always there is a group work because it's never like your own only work that you show. For example, in your portfolio. So if you haven't done something, you should say that you haven't done it because, you know. Yeah, but if you're, I don't, in, yes, in general, but if you're negotiating a salary, so you're, let's take the, you want a promotion. You're not, you're not going to go in there and be like, oh, and these are my weaknesses. You're going to go and like, I'm great with teams where there are artists that can pick up my work and I prepare for them and then they do their part and then I'm good at working together with them to fine tune whatever it is that they do. I think yeah, okay. I agree with being honest, but well, you I was want talking more specifically money. about yeah, <laughs> if you're negotiating a, a, a race in your current company, yeah. definitely. If you're going to an interview for a new company, it's in my opinion you have to be honest and just oh, if yes, you if you yes. want to avoid 
if you want to avoid saying what are you, what is where you're not so perfect yet, you can just stay with what problems you fix on that specific work. But I think it's, yeah. it's also work with uh, the anchoring that you mentioned, Desiree. Like, um, yeah. okay, if if you're negotiating a raise, it's more probable that they already know what your weaknesses and strengths are because they've yeah. been working with you. And if you're going in for a new um, for a new uh, job interview, I think uh, you can frame it like uh, let's take your example, Georgi, with matte painting. Maybe like say I'm um, you know lately I've been very interested in matte painting and trying to improve my skills and learn as much as I can about that particular skill set, and then you know that's going to stay in their mind like, okay, he's interested in that. Not like that's his weakness, you know? Yeah, I mean, I didn't say you have yeah. to say I suck at this. I said... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if they specifically ask, like, have you ever done any method painting? Then, you know, if you haven't done it, obviously you shouldn't lie. You should say, like, yeah, no, I haven't, but I'm very interested. Yeah, totally. So I'm moving to point number three. Consider the whole package. When you're negotiating your salary, don't just focus on your base pay. Consider other benefits like health, insurance, retirement plans, bonuses, continuing education, flexible work arrangements. Yeah, this is something I never considered before I had a little bit of experience. I mean, health insurance is very U.S. specific because, I mean, I don't know how it is in Serbia, but in Germany, you have to have a health insurance. It's sort of like uh, some hybrid form where... You pay half, your uh, employer pays half, but like it's kind of like very regulated. It's not like kind of, it's not really private. It's not really public, uh, very, you know, set up. Retirement plans, uh, yeah, that's something we have had at our office, for example. But that's very tricky because I don't know what happens if you change. Like you have to look into that. That's very specific. Uh, yeah people should get informed bonuses like something I didn't consider about bonuses I wanted to say is like I was I listened to this guy who worked at Google I mentioned that before on the podcast and he was saying something like if you have a 13th or a 14th salary it's sort of a scam because they're kind of in your contract but they're paying you with delay money that you they have to pay you right uh, they like in the end of the day, if you get, it's better to have twelve monthly salaries that are higher than having some sort of bonuses. So if they offer you bonuses, it's always tricky. Like, yeah, it's nice to have some boost at the end of the year, but in the end of the day, you can always consider it um, as a like money that they should pay you per month. And also, one thing, uh, it depends on the contract. Yes, but I'm saying that after also listening to this guy and he was way more detailed, I think having it, like for example, one great bonus that you could have at a company like Google, it's like a stock package at the end of the year. That makes sense. But uh, like, I don't know, money-wise, having a, like I don't know, you can set up some yeah some performance bonus that 
could be good for like it makes sense for your employer to give you a performance bonus uh but it's not in my opinion it makes not so much sense to ask you like i don't know christmas bonus or something like that that it's fixed i don't know this is well, my my take on it it really so i've had various um various setups of bonuses and 13th month um um salary in contracts and it really if you're going to do that you really have to read the fine print and you have to be aware of the laws in your country so the thing with um base pay is that that is pay that is guaranteed to you so um usually so if the company is not doing well but you are an employee they have to give you that salary a bonus or a 13th um salary or christmas money or vacation money is usually um in in most cases at least in Germany and the US I don't know how it is in Serbia but it's usually coupled with a clause where it says if the company for some reason isn't doing well or something then bonuses and anything above base pay is not paid out so that can be kind of tricky i know in germany they do this with sales and marketing people they give you like a lower base pay and then they say oh but you have like 30% bonus on that and that bonus is guaranteed and as soon as somebody says a bonus is guaranteed then always go into the fine print because if it's guaranteed it's not called a bonus it's called pay <laughs> so it really depends on the contracts um so yeah i think that's but i what i like about this point is that and we had spoken about that before that think about how much flexible work arrangements is worth to you as well If you're like me and I love doing home office, then that is going to be Desiree, I don't hear you anymore somehow. Oh. We have to rejoin. We have to rejoin. Yeah, it kicked me out. You too? Yeah, yeah, everyone because it's 60 minutes limit. I didn't know that oh, okay. um, Teams has a 16 minutes limit. I hope uh, Luca can rejoin. Let me see. I'm going to text him on Instagram. Blah blah blah. for overtime anyway no it was one hour and a half no one hour oh you scheduled it for one and a half yeah oh okay sorry we have to say that at the beginning then in the future i thought no. it was just me i was like oh no i can't do it <laughs> no it was not only you Yeah, but I noticed that recording the screen of the call is not makes no sense. So I'm recording the audio, and we're gonna just show the audio. Yeah. 
and I maybe put it on Substacks behind payment. There he is. But uh, if it's hello, Luca, welcome back. I didn't know Teams has a limit of sixty minutes. Every every uh, software does a different limit. Zoom has forty five. Uh, Meet has something else. So in the future, I'll tell everyone that when you get kicked out, just yeah. come back. Um, anyways, I wanted to say we had scheduled this for one and a half hours. Uh, so we have half an hour more, if that's okay with you. But I mean, yeah. we, can, we can go a little bit over it. But um, let's say in general for for each point that it's left, we can go a little bit uh, quickly and then we can see also a little bit more about how to spot... Uh, uh, when you're employed at at work, because otherwise we'll be doing only negotiating your salary. So we were at point three. Uh, so a little quick sum up in a few words, Desiree, about bonuses, please. Um, redefine print, <laughs> and I think uh, the biggest one is bonus is called bonus for a reason, and it's not base pay. So be aware of that. Okay. Uh, so there was also continuing education. One thing that you could also uh, tell your employer is like, okay, I want to work here. We can set up, I don't know, that I work here for the next three years, but you pay me this crazy course that I couldn't afford myself or something like that. And flexible work arrangement is something that played a big role in to, in Germany here. I don't know how it's in Serbia, Luca. It's like you... For me, it's very important you define like, okay, I wanted my contract to have two days of home office, of working from home, and you cannot tell me anything about it. I don't know if it's a thing in Serbia. In some places, I think it is. But uh, for my, you know, for our industry, it's very difficult because, you know, we are very hardware dependent. Mm. So it's not easy to be working remotely. Some people do it, but it's not very efficient. So, you know. Okay, the number four is emphasize your contributions, provide specific examples of how you have contributed to the company's success, such as completing projects on the on time and within budget, winning new business or mentoring junior stuff. Yeah. So basically, that was something I said before. Like, keep a track on what things you've done well. Um, make sure bosses are happy with it uh, practice effective communication use clear and concise language when negotiating your salary avoid sounding confrontational or defensive and instead focus on collaborating with your employer to find a mutually beneficial solution yeah i think this is actually a very good point like um it's never good to go to your employer and say if you don't give me a raise i'm gonna go like this is like they have generally the policy we don't deal with terrorists so if you want to go you go uh but yeah like again i would be like if it's a long-term em employer you'll be like look we've been working for so so long together I like it here. You didn't kick me out, so you like me for sure. <laughs> I don't know. You you can find your own voice for that. Uh, I don't know. Desiree, do you have any suggestions? No, I think I think it's important to just be prepared with with what it says here. Also, contribution and also soft skills. Like 
if your colleagues like working with you and want to work with you all the time, I think that's also, that's valuable. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a very cool thing that you said, soft skills. Uh, Maybe in the next call, when we pick the next uh, topic, we can do some uh, role play. That's always interesting, I think. I don't know. You can. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can... I'm going to hire you both. <laughs> we can do it in another session. We can see what is the topic. Uh, so the number six, uh, be prepared to compromise. Negotiation is a two-way street. So be prepared to make concessions if your employer is unable to meet all your demands. Consider offering to take uh, on additional responsibilities or to accept a lower salary in exchange for other benefits. Um, yeah, this is something that we kind of have said before. I think be prepared to compromise. How much you compromise, it depends on how much leverage you have. So I don't know if you have a big plan, a backup plan, you have more leverage because you have to accept less things. Um, one thing is when you don't get a raise or you don't get the money you wanted, it's to always ask what do I need to do in order to get there? Like, what do you want me to do in order to get there? Because they can always say no. So you can say, okay, I understand. Maybe I'm not at the level right now. Can you set me a, I don't know, checkpoints ahead of me that I have to go through in order to to hit the target? Um, yeah, I love that. I love that, Yogi. That's like... Make sure you know the expectation. Yeah. And uh, and also it's a good way to put your um, employer in a spot where he cannot really... This is a very good also double point to check if you're being uh, exploited. Because if they don't give you a clear... Like they can... If they don't give you a clear um, path towards what you want to achieve, whether they never going to give it to you or they really... Yeah, they're trying to trick you somehow. Or like if they're not honest, like if if they say mm, in our business, we're never going to pay that much of a salary or we're never going to have this. So if they're open, that's good. But if they start doing you like stupid in between, uh, in between things, then it's not good. Yeah. So number seven is follow up. In, this is probably, I guess, I didn't... Um, I, I negotiating your salary. I think ChatGPT understood negotiating your salary with your next employer because it's follow up in writing after the negotiation. Confirm. Ah, okay. No, this is actually that's something that. No, no. This is for a promotion too. It's like yeah. To be honest, I would I do this in every one of my promotions in the past as well. Let us finish reading the point and then we you, you can start because we have twenty minutes. <laughs> Follow up in writing. After the negotiation, confirm the details of the agreement in writing, including your salary, benefits, and any other terms you agreed upon. This will help ensure that both you and the employer are on the same page and avoid any confusion and misunderstandings. Well, usually in Germany, uh, when you do your official discussion of your contract, which happens once a year, uh, it's HR has some layout of a protocol of uh, like the questions that they will be answered. And usually um, whoever is your interviewer 
will tell you what he's writing down and you can say yes i agree on this or not you sign it at the end so i don't know if it's something that you guys have in serbia to um luka well where i work no but um i think in general this is very very beneficial so if there's not a document to be signed right away like in your case then it's good to at least have an email where you can go back to it if if needed and you know if they they change their change their mind or do something that wasn't agreed upon you know you can always go back to that and say okay this is what we agreed on and you know it needs to be like this yes yeah and it doesn't always have to be so formal so to be honest i do this really a lot i do this with all kinds of things anything that has somehow to do with um my contract or a benefit or extra vacation even small things like this i always put it in writing in an email and it can be something really especially if you're in a small team or a small company where there's not like just huge hr organization that manages everything it can be something like hey dear boss thanks for the talk just wanted to you know um keep us accountable here are the fir- the few things we've discussed and we're going to check in again in six months and see how how we'll do and i think that's enough already so that the employer isn't like oh my god they're pressuring us it's more like oh this person has their shit together um they're accountable so yeah So in order to continue the the game on the on the exploration at at work I just said ChatGPT to create us five extra points on the topic. Uh my question was like can you give me five points uh on suggestion how to spot if you're being exploited at your workplace as an architect uh designer like yeah we'll see let's what see what ChatGPT has come up. Um uh, number one, excessive workload. If you're consistently working long hours or regularly expected to compete complete an unreasonable amount of work in a short period, it may be a sign that you're being exploited. This can lead to burnout and negatively impact on your health and well being. Well, this is something uh that is particularly valuable for designers because everything we do it's basically starting from a white canvas and ended up with a filled canvas of something um so um one big rule that everyone has to learn is to say no to extra hours like there is a lot of offices that tell you yeah it's really urgent can you finish it now they sometimes try to package it behind like Yeah, we're going to let you some times off, but it's not defined how much time off, when it's going to be this time off. And there is always something urgent because like you finish one project, there is the next project and the next project is not like I don't know, walk in the park. So um by saying no, a lot of times people are afraid again, saying no, it's a matter of leverage. Like can you what is the worst case scenario if you say no can you face it it's a matter of culture like if you're in a country where in the the moment they fire they have five people waiting at the door of course you don't have much leverage on this point but in the end of the day uh even if that's the case that's a sign that you have to change 
maybe even your industry <laughs> if it's that bad. <laughs> so um, you have to learn where is the red line, where you say no, like what is what can I accept? Like because it's a um, dichotomy, right? Because on one side you want to have a like work-life balance. But on the other side, you want to, you know, do the best for you. Maybe some people, I mean, not maybe. A lot of people are very um, motivated. Uh, they're very ambitious. So they want to do stuff. So you have to find what is your sweet spot and don't go too much beyond this point. Uh, in my opinion, it's very important to learn slowly to say no or build up some leverage, like, I don't know, save money and... It's a, or like you have the experience, now you have the experience, you have the money, and then say like, look, I've done it so far, but now I'm not up to it anymore. I don't know. You guys have any comments on this point? I have a question, Luca. How is it in Serbia with overtime, ex or exploitation is such an extreme word, but yeah, how are the working conditions in Serbia? Um... Well, for me, uh, it started out with um, every every other Saturday was a work day for us, but it was reduced work hours. Uh, I think it was 9 to 2 p.m., uh, which was supposed to be like, um, you know, at the time where we weren't working on the projects, where we're just, you know, exploring new skills and whatnot, but it it usually meant that we were going to work on projects because it was always mm -hmm. urgent. And uh, overtime was uh, paid, like the, the hourly rate was 30% higher than a normal hourly rate. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah, which is still the case. But, uh, you know, it, it is very rare nowadays to have overtime. And we have... Um, you know, we haven't had a working weekend in many years. Uh, but I know that a lot of the architecture design offices are a lot um, more exploitative um, mm -hmm. in this regard. I know a lot of them have um, very bad um, starting salaries and they expect you to work weekends, Saturdays, you know, every Saturday and uh, <clears throat> um overtime isn't paid or anything so yeah, I think that's that's very very common even today in a lot of places yeah yeah here in Germany also overtime at least in my industry is not paid um at all so it's um yeah in many industries, it's not paid unless it's really unionized or something. And, well, okay, that's interesting, but cool for thirty percent. I mean, that's like that's um, that's a big plus, I would say, from what it sounds. Yeah, but you know, in, in my experience, uh, especially when I was, um, you know, just starting out, it used to be like, okay, whenever there's overtime, I can get some more money, which is great. And, you know, at the end of the month when it adds up, uh, it's it can be really good. I, I remember that uh, I think my maximum was 60 overtime hours in a month. Oh, wow. That's a lot. I mean, yeah, it didn't happen a lot of times, but I think it was probably like three or four times where it was 
a lot of overtime hours. But, mm-hmm. you know, as I've gained more experience and uh, I guess as my um, regular salary has gotten uh, bigger, I started to value my time more than just, you know, working overtime for, you know, that one-time payment, which, you know, yeah. at, at the moment it, it's great, but then, you know, the entire month, if I'm working 60 overtime hours, it's basically just working and sleeping and it's no living at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the, the amount of money that can compensate for that is should be very, very big. Yeah, I think the money the money get have a lower uh, what is it called have a lower um, impact on you more you get advanced in your age so you have other priorities. Yeah. Uh, so number two, let let's go a little, let's keep it uh, keep it simple for the next points. Uh, not so because yeah. otherwise we can go longer, but then it's up to you. Uh, low pay or benefits. If you're being paid below market rates or not receiving benefits, such as health insurance, paying time off, retirement plans, this might be a sign that you're being exploited. Your compensation shouldn't affect your education, experience, and qualifications. Yeah, this is, again, in order to know that, you have to research what is the industry level. Because, I mean, what I thought it was okay money at maybe my first office, um, it was not. But sometimes, you know, like, for example, uh, if you go to work for a big or another Archie star company, uh, I don't know, Zadid, MVRDV, all these companies, just because of their name, they will probably pay a little bit less than then i don't know allegedly i'm saying the american yeah. allegedly <laughs> they will pay you less than the market uh some some birds allegedly have told me or have mentioned that because they have a name and they um of course i mean it goes in your cv it has an added value in that sense uh but yeah this is yeah, you have to research uh, what is what is the what is the average. Again, also, yeah. Next one. You have to decide what is more important for you: cool projects, money, time. I don't know, money and time. Then, for example, you like in my personal experience: the shittiest the project get. I don't know if you do industry halls or factories. Uh, shittiest projects, but best work-life balance and a bunch of money. This is how it works in Germany. So, like, if you design buildings that are for, I don't know, food production, things like that, nothing so exciting on the design point of view, but it's you leverage your degree in, for the best in, in terms. You, like, probably earn double so much as somebody working at a cool office. Uh, yeah, this year you wanted to add something. No, I just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to say I think we're good on that one. I think yeah, lack of job security, low pay, yeah. If you, had, if, you, if you had added next point, <laughs> would you have been more efficient? <laughs> uh, okay. I was joking. 
Uh, I did. I said that. Next point. Like, lack, of, lack, of, <laughs> lack of job security. If you're working as a freelancer or on a project-by-project project basis without a clear path to permanent employment, you might be exploited. This can leave you without a steady income uh, or access to benefits. This is a big thing in Italy. In Italy, all the so in Italy there is a very communist kind of uh, law. If they hire you on a, uh, how do you say, uh, how do you say when the contract has like unlimited contract, like an an Desiree, help me with the English. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking um, a time time frame contract. I don't know. Yeah, if they don't, if they hire you like regular for without limit without setting it up for a year or two like uh or without an end specific specified end an undetermined end of your contract you have pre- basically you become unfireable and they have to pay you a 13 salary a 14 sal- no a 13 14 salary for sure uh if you leave or they fire you they have to pay you one salary for each year you work at the company. So basically, um, this is the regulation for a regular contract. And therefore, there are a lot of sideways gray zones in order to never hire you. And in particular, in, uh, in the architecture field, everybody officially is a freelancer. So you make your own freelance company. And then these offices kind of hire you officially they tell you we're going to pay you each month 2000 euros uh, on which you're going to pay taxes and we're going to agree that you're going to have so many days of holidays a year that we still going to pay you but it's all like grace on an unofficial thing and it's all over the place uh, and uh, yeah that's a big thing there i don't know how it is in serbia is there something like that uh luca well, I mean, uh, maybe not exactly like that, but uh, the big thing here is um, everyone applies for, or I guess when you finish your degree, you can go um, to the employment office and register there. And uh, if you get hired by some uh, firm after you've been there for six months unemployed, they get cer- certain benefits. So some firms, you know, uh, try to, you know, keep you maybe, um, you know, um, like an illegal worker for a couple of months if you haven't been uh, up, um, registered at the, um, the employment office. So, and then when they start paying you, they get certain benefits for that as well. And there are other programs through the employment office where you get, uh, it's called My First Salary, and a lot of uh, people will only hire you if you um, if you're eligible to participate in that program. And uh, that's, you know, wow. around, it used to be uh, around I think 150 euros a month. So that would be your salary. Which, you know, uh, I get that there are certain living standards uh, and they're not the same in, let's say, Germany or Serbia, but you basically can't live anywhere with 150 euros a month, no matter no matter the country. Yeah, that sounds really low. Oh, that, that's yeah. so interesting with the class name. Okay. So it's almost like 
I don't want to say corrupt, but it's almost like, yeah, we're going to keep you illegal and then we're going to cash in because we were so nice to hire you. So it's, it's very calculated and everyone knows about the loopholes and it just works like that. It's not like, you know, they are a big brain uh, company that discovered something so sophisticated. But yeah. Yeah, I think basically a lot of probably most um, most companies work like that. And um there are some places, uh, mostly like government places, where you do have limited contracts, which, you know, probably works the same as in it- in Italy. Um, so it's a lot easier for them to just wait out your contract and not extend it than fire you mm. because it's a lot more beneficial for them in terms of, you know, they don't have to pay you any reparations or whatever you, you call it um, if they fire you. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, so little number four. Little, I'm gonna just go to the next point, uh, not because I think we covered the third one. Uh, little to no recognition. If your contributions to the company are not recognized or rewarded, this might be a sign you're being exploited. You should be acknowledged for your hard work and given opportunities to grow professionally. Again, this is a very personal thing. Everyone. He can personally feel when he's recognized or not recognized. Um, you should listen to constructive critique and always say to your employer, as I said before, tell me what you need me to achieve in order to give me that that extra bonus or to promote me. So if they didn't give you a clear path, it means that you'll be always there will be always something lacking in your experience i don't know do you have any personal way of i don't know how do you recognize personally if you're if you're being acknowledged at work or not if you have any suggestions i don't know are you asking in general into the group yeah yeah you, you yeah first you desiree if you want to say something and then Luca. Um, Luca, you can go first. Um, I don't know. It's this is a very complicated thing, I think, um, and it probably ties with um, everything we've been talking about tonight. Like, first, you need to know your worth. You need to know how much you're contributing, and uh, you know, try to get as objective an image about that as possible. Which, you know, in order to do that, you need to research and, uh, you know, basically become an expert on your um, field of work in terms of how other people are treated that do the same thing as you do. Um, yeah, this is what I think it's very complicated, but, um, you know, it's just... It can also just be a feeling. It doesn't have to all be on paper. Like, if, if you feel valued or... Yeah. You know, if you feel like you're being treated fairly or at least not being exploited, this is something that, you know, I think you need to evaluate pretty much constantly. And it needs to be a, a part of your job. Just like it, it can change, um, you know, even little by little. And it can be that you don't notice that you're being treated badly for months or years. Uh, yeah, it's just something that everyone needs to keep in their mind. 
Yeah, I agree. Des Desiree, you have something to add? I, I think so too. I would just add one thing. Um, while you were saying that, Luca, I was thinking that it has a lot to do with your personal goals as well. And I think because it says there, grow professionally. Um, and I like what you said that it's also a feeling, but I think it's also is, are you telling your, your employer what an opportunity is for you? For example, maybe you're somewhere in your career where you want to build a reputation in the industry, then an opportunity is going to be, I don't know, talk at a conference or do a big project that has a lot of renome or something, or maybe your personal goal at work is more to develop your skills, then an opportunity is to take part in a seminar that they're hosting or something like that. So I think you have to communicate that first, but I do agree that it has a lot to do also with a feeling that how are they, how are your peers and your bosses communicating with you? Are the things you're saying being heard? Like for me personally is like, am I being listened to? And are the things that I'm contributing being taken into account in some way? Or are people discussing with me? I think it has a lot to do with that too. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, we have the last fifth point, un unreasonable expectations. Mm -hmm. If you are consistently being asked to perform tasks or duties outside of your job description or being asked to work on projects without necessary resources or support, this might be a sign that you're being exploited. <laughs> You should have clear expectation and be provided with the resources and support necessary to meet them. Um, well, this connects with point number one, I think. And, and in the end of the day, this is something that a lot of people that I know in the industry lack of, is to realize that if they get too much ownership of their tasks, um, they're going overboard. And in the end of the day, if your salary and yeah, your position is at this level, you're not, you have to, you know, over, over deliver always, but also put your limit to what the things you're going to be responsible of and not freak out every time the boss tells you, we have to do this. And then you're like, yeah, I, we have to do this. I'm one person. I can do so much or I've done already so much. So this is the point where I cannot do anymore. Um, so this is something that people have to get aware of that. You're not there for the glory of finishing the project. You're there for getting paid on a salary. And it's not only the salary, as we said before. At some point, money doesn't count anymore. You just want your time. So yeah. you... I'm going to go again. Desiree first and Luca second. Comments to that, you mean? Yeah. No, I don't have any comments to that, I think. I already said expectation setting is key. Yeah, I think that's also like something that ties in with uh, everything that we talked about tonight. Uh, when you're um, negotiating either a raise or um, a new job, this is something that you need to set up uh, as much as possible beforehand. And, you know, if needed, keep uh, talking about expectations whenever you feel like either burnt out or uh, treated unfairly or, you know, it doesn't have to wait for your performance review or it doesn't, it definitely shouldn't go by like without talking about it because that's only gonna, you know, be a detriment to your mental health, to your performance, to everything.
everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could agree. Um, so I think, can, we, yeah, yeah, Desiree, go ahead. Can I add one thing to that list? Um, and I'm just going to make it really short. Um, I think also if you're not being supported. But that wasn't um, the last point of that. No, that it doesn't have to do with um, ex expectations. But I mean, if you're not being supported in the team or in the culture of the work, and because we're talking about toxic environments and being exploited at work. I think if your boss is not supporting you to in the project or help you achieve your goals or, you know, become part of the team if you've started something, um, find your way in the new work culture that you're coming into. Um, I think that that is also a sign that, yeah, that it's you are paving the way to being exploited if you're not being supported as a team member in a way. And I know that sounds really obvious, but that happens more often than people think that people aren't, you know, onboarded in a right way or yeah, that the team is not created in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Like this is something, but that's again, something that you have to spot personally through your gut feeling at work. Um, yeah. So I, I think we can, um, wrap it up here before finishing the call i wanted to i mean we don't need to do a sum up i wanted to say that i'm gonna release just the audio not the video of this on patreon so that only the patreons that enter the the right uh, tier gonna be able to to see it or listen to it so, Luca, I don't know, think about it if there is something you want me to cut off or, I mean, I can, uh, you, we didn't say anything so so bad. Uh, I wanted to ask in general, both of you, if, if you think that this format in this way, uh, it's useful for you. Uh, or if you have any suggestions for improvement like i don't know should it be something that i don't know uh i i prepare more on the topic and i give a sort of a presentation and then we discuss that or um you like it this way i think that in general um it might look it it sounds very stupid to i, I don't know it doesn't sound very stupid but it sounds very uh naive to have a call talking about the subject but i think that when you're with your friends or family, it doesn't happen that you end up being like having a structured brainstorm on issues that you encounter on a in life or on a daily basis. Uh, so sort of the idea is to have this collective mind where I don't like becoming sort of trying to become a sort of a guru or something like that because I don't think anyone can be a guru and we can always <laughs> learn from each other. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to ask if you both have some improvement suggestions or something that you would like to see more or done differently in the next calls. First, Luca, and then Desiree this time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think this works uh, really well, you know, uh, especially because last time it was our first call, getting to know each other, meeting everyone. So there wasn't really a topic involved with that. And um, I think this is uh, great that we, we had a topic in mind before starting the call. 
and even you know whenever there's a topic um, that uh, you have in mind or anyone else um, I think that that's when people can prepare even just in their mind or write a couple of bullet points uh, you know what they want to talk about I don't think you need to um, present anything every time maybe you know once in a while depending on the topic you know or maybe even someone else can who who is more experienced with the specific thing that we're going to talk about I think that's yeah that's the way to go I think for now with these calls because we are just sharing our experiences and um, yeah that's about it how about I you, Desiree? Yeah, I also think I like the free flow with a topic. Um, I don't need a presentation. For me, I'm curious to hear what everybody else's experiences are. And I think that's the biggest benefit, that it's not one or two people talking, but that we share our experiences because there's always a little nugget of insight in what somebody else maybe thinks is obvious that you hear for the first time and you think um, is pretty cool or you can do yourself. So... Yeah, I like it in this free flow. Maybe we can use the Patreon chat more to say, okay, we're talking about this topic if, or if somebody has like something on their mind Yeah, that they can bring that in and then we can make, organize the topics or something. Georgi, what do you say? Yeah, I think uh, for the next one, we're going to put a post on the Patreon, Luca. So uh, if you, uh, we're going to just write, uh, I don't know, a blackboard on, put bl just drop your line, drop your topics. It can be problems you encounter during the month or uh, I don't know, it can be also something positive, can be, I don't know, if you tell me I want to, you want to be the one, I don't know, um, giving us a presentation about uh, how you do images or something that you like to show and we can then, if it's prepared that it's going to be more uh, publicly, we can record it and then we can uh, showcase you also on the creative insider uh, so that you can have some exposure um, another thing that i was thinking i mean i don't know i'm provided with chat gpt but i think it was a funny thing to have because i think the great part of chat gpt is that um avoids you the white white canvas right so even if you um don't know if you write and then gives you five points then it's just a way to start thinking quicker yeah, yeah. and then you can see okay it's not perfect but we can improve it together and another thing i was thinking we can do in the future is um, um play for example one thing that i did for fun to try out it was um sort of a breakdown of a video like we can take a video out there that it can be a ted talk or something and um we can discuss discuss uh, together these TED talks, and and then again also always this suggestion suggestion for uh, when it's the best time to do the call. It's always welcome because I just pick it by accident. This because it's usually it would be the podcast. It's a day of a time of the day where it could be an interview uh, with somebody. A uh, little bit of I I also gonna use before we go the opportunity to tell you i'm negotiating the another guest it's a guy who did the design the bulgarian pavilion for this year venice biennale um also we have one lady that's um 
working at Nike as a designer, as a um, computational designer. She for now said she's very busy, but I'm going to go back to her again. Uh, there is one guy from Denmark that uh, just turned uh, to be, just left his company and became computational designer as a freelancer. So this is also one person on the list. And then we had, a, there was a British lady that wrote a book about uh, exactly these topics that we talked to get today for architects specifically. Uh, so these are some guests in the pipeline of the next guests that will be announced as soon as they uh, book the... And then I'm also trying to connect with some people that work into more BIM and things like that to see how they use the first AI add-ons into that realm. So these are some things. So I know that it's more like when they come on a regular basis um, out outside on YouTube, it feels like uh, they're done every week, but actually they're more batched. Uh, but also we did the special... It was a little bit taking a lot of time to do this special edition of the ladies podcast yeah. that uh, you, you can imagine coordinate. They, on, on the invitation list, there were at least, I don't know, 20 something people. And yeah, there were a lot. So it, it, it's also hard to coordinate due to, to timetables. But we have had also that guy from New York. I don't know if you managed to see in preview the the podcast is available on patreon i don't know if you were watching live or the last I, I was able to watch that one yeah that's uh, but it's available for you on on patreon mm -hmm. so and there will be uh, soon new episodes so if you if you think it's fun it will be fun to have more people on so bring them on if you know someone that might join too and uh, yeah i think yeah. That, that's it for tonight yeah. And Luca, have a good dinner. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Greetings and to Serbia. <laughs> exactly. And then see you next time. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. See you, see you next, next month. Uh, no, this time we're going to do it by the end of the month because in February we didn't do any call. So we're going okay. to yeah. do two calls this month so that we recover February. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Have a great evening. Bye. Have a great Bye. evening. Bye. Bye.